Here. Ms. Bott has been excused. Vice Chair, we do have a quorum. Thank you, Irene. Our, Our first, first item, item of business, of business is, is approval of the meeting minutes of the August 19th meeting. Uh, are there any corrections from the board? Hearing none, is there? No, Mr. Chairman, Bobby DeMaria. Yeah, Mr. Chairman, Bobby DeMaria, I make a motion to approve the minutes of 19-2020 as presented. All right, there's a motion. Is there a second? Second. Scully. Okay. Is there any discussion? All, oh, Irene, call the roll. Ms. Ms. Shank. Here. Is that a yes? Yes. Well, I, I wasn't here for the meeting, so I probably shouldn't vote on the minutes. Okay. Sure. Okay, yes. <laughs> Mrs. Lucas is not here. Okay, Mr. Albano? Yes. Mr. Scully? Yes. Mr. D. Maria? Yes. Mr. Lemon? Yes. Mr. Smith? Yes. The motion carries six to zero. Thank you, Irene. Our next item of business is the election of chair and vice chair for the following year. Um, are there any questions from the board before we start? All right, hearing none, is there a motion for the office of chairman? Jake Scully. Mr. Chairman. Go ahead. A. Go ahead. Mr. Chairman, Bobby DeMaria. Yeah, I'd like to nominate Quinn Smith as chairman of the board. Thank you. Is there a second to that motion? Are you good? Jake Scully, second. I second it. All right, there's a motion and a second. Is there any discussion? Uh, can I be heard? Is that Mrs. Lucas? It is Mrs. Lucas. All right, Irene, let the record reflect that Mrs. Lucas has joined us. Hello. Yes, we can hear you. We can hear you, Mrs. Okay, thank you. All right, if there's no discussion, uh, Irene, would you call the roll on the uh, question? For the position of chair, Clint Smith has been nominated. Mrs. Ms. Shank. Yes. Ms. Lucas. Yes. Mr. Albano. Yes. Mr. Scully. Yes. Mr. DeMaria. Yes. Mr. Lemon. Yes. Mr. Smith. Yes. The motion carries seven to zero. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank you for your comments. Congratulations. Uh, next, we need to elect a vice chair. Is there a motion uh, to elect a vice chair? Chairman Jake Scully, I move to uh, nominate uh, Bobby DiMaria for vice chair. Is there a second? Jim Albano, second it. All right, we have a motion and a second. Is there any discussion? All right, Irene, would you call the roll? Okay, for the election of the vice chair, Mr. D. Maria. Um, Ms. Shank. Yes. Ms. Lucas. Mrs. Lucas. I don't see her on anymore. We may have lost her. No, she's here. She's just oh. frozen. 
Okay, I'm back. Mr. I'm here, but I, all right, I'll do hand signals. No, I can hear you. <laughs> okay. So how, how do you vote, Miss Lucas? Oh, okay. Take that as a yes. Mr. Albano. Yes. Mr. Scully. Yes. Mr. De Maria. Yes. Mr. Lemon. Yes. Mr. Smith. Yes. The motion carries seven to zero. Congratulations. Congratulations, Mr. Mr. De Maria. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. We will move Thanks, on to you. item three. Um, Ray is going to introduce this item. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Yes, this is um, the South Pole Kings Road Master Plan Development Rezoning. Uh, the, the, the applicant and city staff continue to work on this item, and the applicant actually requested that this item be continued. To the, and, and what we do is uh, to continue to a time and place specifically. So they're asking for a continuance for the October to the October 21st regular scheduled planning and land development regulations board meeting. That would be at 5.30 p.m., and the location will be here at the community center um, on 305 Palm Coast Parkway Northeast for that continuance. All right. Thank you, Ray. Um, since this is to be continued to a date certain, there's really no discussion. Is there a motion to continue the meeting to October 21st, 2020 at 530? Mr. Chairman, Bobby DiMaria, I make a motion to continue the item number, I believe it's 8748, to October 21st, 2020, for the next PLDR, for that BRDR meeting. Is there a second? Mr. Sanders, I'll second. Second. All right, we have a motion and a second. Uh, Irene, would you call the roll? Ms. Shank. Yes. Mrs. Lucas. Got a hand signal? Uh-huh. Mrs. Lucas, can you vote? I'll come back. Mr. Albano? Yes. Mr. Scully? Yes. Mr. De Maria. Yes. Mr. Lemon. Yes. Mr. Smith. Yes. Mrs. Lucas, if you can hear us, could you vote on the motion? Is she still there, Doug? She's giving you a thumbs up. I see a hand signal. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's giving you a thumbs up. Thank you. I have trouble seeing that. Thank you. The motion carries seven to zero. All right. Thank you very much. Our last item is an annual training for those members of the board and the new members of the board. I think the board attorney is going to do that. Yes. And uh, I appreciate everybody uh, joining us tonight because rather than uh, continue uh, to, to not have a meeting, I, I, I thought we could use this as an opportunity uh, while we're at the community center to have some refresher training. I know some of our new members have received similar training from Katie this past week on this. 
So some of it may be a, a refresher that you had last last week with with our attorney. But I, I really want us, you know, number one, to educate us to, to get some of annual training uh, and also to test the technology because, you know, as you all know, we have a special meeting here October 30th, uh, and we want to make sure everything's running. So it's uh, kind of a win-win for everybody. But Mrs. Reichman will, um, as you all know, our, our city attorney will provide uh, some quasi-judicial proceeding-type training. And then I figured um, Jose Papa will provide some training on the comprehensive plan. Uh, it's been, been a long time, and for some of our new members to go into um, what the methodology is and how, you know, what our comprehensive plan is and, and how and we how go, we go about, about changing, changing the comp plan and, and kind of going through a staff report of what he looks at would help um, educate uh, some of our new members a little bit more and refresh some of our older members. So with that said, I'm going to go ahead, uh, Clint, and hand it over to Katie. All right. Thank you. Go ahead, Katie. Good evening. Can you hear me? Yeah. Can you? Um, Katie, you've been freezing on and off tonight. You're not hearing me? Okay. Irene? Uh, I'm hearing you. We can, can hear, hear you, you Kate. Katie, you just keep freezing up on us a little bit. It might help if you... Irene, can you put me on? Can I call in on the phone? Yeah, call me, Katie. Okay, I'm calling. Can you hear me? Yeah, sorry about that. Okay, yeah, sorry about that. My internet's doing something weird. Can you hear me now, Kay? Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. No. Yeah, I can hear you. Hear you. You can hear me. Okay. I'm so sorry for that problem. Um, so we'll look at the first slide. Overview of functions of appointed officials. And um, so we can see that this board does two different functions. One being legislative and one being quasi-judicial. Yeah, kind of sounds like a Pink Floyd album. Um, <laughs> it's echoing through the city pickup. 
we can, um, you know what? We, we can um, have uh, a uh, first, and then we can, Katie, we'll go ahead and reschedule at a, uh, a later planning board meeting for some of your training. Um, we can do that. We can, it's not a rush on a refresher. So you got some of the new, some of the new members have already received some of their training. So what we're going to do is uh, we'll reschedule Katie uh, and, and then we'll just do the comp plan training right now. And then we'll, we'll call it a night. Yeah, that's fine. We'll just hold off. Okay. Sounds great. All right. Bye. Sorry about that, folks, but we can um, we'll we'll, uh, we'll reschedule Katie for for some of the quasi judicial. All of y'all have heard it. Um, our new members have went through the training with Katie last week, just to reiterate that fact. And then we'll have her back for a refresher in the next month or two. But with that said, I'm gonna um, hand it over to Jose to talk about um, our future land use and our comp plan and and go through some of those slides and kind of our methodology for that. Thank you, Mr. Tyner. And I'm just going to briefly through a staff report and the contents of the comprehensive plan amendment. Uh, the comprehensive plan is a state mandated document. Uh, every municipality, county is required to have a comprehensive plan. That's approved by the state. Basically, to put it uh, in layman's terms, the comprehensive plan serves as the blueprint for development within, within a, a jurisdiction, whether it's a city or a county. Um, part of the comprehensive plan is what we call a future land use map. And with a future land use map, you have general designations uh, of every within a jurisdiction. Uh, just looking at this map, since this is the, since, since. Mr. Papa, this is Charlie Lemon. You're breaking up pretty bad for me anyway. I think it has to do with people not having their phone muted. Like City of Palm Coast might need to mute yourselves so we can hear. Okay, can, can everybody, hopefully everybody can hear me. I will, I'll try to speak uh, directly into the microphone. So this is just a, a snippet of, of, a, of the future land use map. And, and this is the staff report I'm going to be going over. And that's why it just shows, highlights uh, a portion of the city. And just to give you some, just to orient you to what this parcel is. This is a parcel that's just south of the city's uh, public works facility. Uh, looking at the subject property. It's on US-1. It's about a mile north of Palm Coast Parkway. And you can see um, right along US-1 is that way station. And, and behind that is where this parcel of land is along with, with the public works, uh, City of Palm Coast Public Works facility. As you can see, there, you see a number of future land use map designations on this map. Uh, there's something called DRIMU, uh, that's Development of Regional Impact Mixed Use. And, and this particular one is Palm Coast Park. Uh, 
you see north of the subject parcel is a parcel designated as institutional, and that is the city's public works facility. And then to across US-1, you see some mixed-use parcels, and you also have within this map um, con conservation areas that are, that in conservation is a designation on our future land use map. Another one to the south of the parcel is land, our lands designated as industrial. And specifically, that land is uh, what, what we know as Hargrove Grade Industrial Park. So there are other designations. Uh, designations on the future future land use map, which aren't shown on this map, because uh, of course it's not um, covered by by this map. It's, it's again a very limited snippet or area of, of the city. So just uh, looking more specifically, I'll run through the through how I would we would present uh, a staff report to you when there is a future land use map amendment. So this is the current future land use map looking at the that about eight acre parcel as the subject property. And you might have, it's pretty difficult to tell on the screen, but its current designation right now is that of development of regional impact mixed use. Again, it's part of the Palm Coast Park DRI. Uh, and the, and in, in the past, or I'm sorry, there was a trade of property and the city came to acquire that the subject property. And the city's intent is to expand the public works facility to this acquired parcel. And so the one thing that the city had to do was to change the land use designation on it from DRI mixed use to institutional, that blue color, consistent with the institutional land use designation that you see for the current or existing public works facility. So in, in doing the staff report for that, in doing the analysis, there are a number of things that we, we do. Before I get too far, there are two types of future land use map amendments, or what we call flume amendments. There is what we call a small-scale map amendment, which are for parcels less than 10 acres, and there are large-scale map amendments, which would be for parcels greater than 10 acres. And so, and the main difference there is that small-scale map amendments need not go to the state for review. When we have a large-scale map amendment, one that is greater than 10 acres, after the first reading at city council, uh, just to go back on the process, staff will present it to the planning board, Planning board will make a recommendation to city council to either approve or deny the requested change. And then city council will have two public hearings on it. After the first public hearing, if they recommend approval of, of the proposed amendment, if it's a large scale amendment, it will then move to the state. We'll send it to the Department of Economic Opportunity also known as the State Land Planning Agency, and they will review that proposed comp plan amendment. So in addition to the State Land Planning Agency, there are a number of agencies that we also need to send that amendment to. Uh, it includes DEP, the Department of Environmental Protection, the Department of Transportation. We send it to the Regional Council, 
the Water Management District, and we also send it to Flagler County for their for comment and review. And so they have essentially they have 30 days to provide any comments to the city uh, or concerns regarding the proposed amendment. And uh, after 30 days, the city can then schedule uh, a second public hearing on the amendment and taking into consideration the comments that have been provided by those state plant by those state agencies and Flagler County. And so with just to contrast that with a small scale amendment, like this one that we'll present to you tonight, a small scale amendment does not, again, does not need to go to the state. So after first reading at city council, it, if, if approved at first reading, it can immediately go to second reading at, at, at city council. So the things that we look at for in a comprehensive plan amendment, essentially we're looking at the, the worst case scenarios between the current land use designation and the proposed land use designation. As you can see in the staff report, oops, sorry. I apologize, I'm trying to. We'll provide you with a background the purpose or the, the intent of the land use map amendment, uh, as with any, as with any other uh, application, most applications that come before you, there's a need to, to hold a neighborhood meeting where we invite the surrounding property owners to hear the proposal and to provide comment at that time about any issues or concerns they might have. One of the things that we do with the a comp plan amendment is to provide, again, looking at the impacts of the proposed amendment. So we'll look at the proposed designation, in this case institutional, and look at the current designation, DRI mixed use, and do an analysis of the, of the, of the net impact of, of that proposed change. In this case, the institutional land use, again, we're looking at a six-acre parcel. Within the institutional land use, you have a maximum floor area ratio of 0.3, meaning you can uh, develop up to a third of an acre per acre as its uh, maximum development potential. Whereas with a DRI mixed use, you can have a maximum floor area ratio of 0.55. And so going through that analysis... Come on, please. Yes, ma'am. We're not really getting your question. If, if there was a question, can you please repeat it? All right, I'll, I'll move on if you can. So essentially, uh, again, we'll just look at the maximum square footage allowable under the proposed designation and under the current designation and give you just a, a numerical analysis of what that difference might be. In this case, the change from DRI mixed use to institutional provides for a 
maximum development potential that is lower than, than the existing, um, than the current land use designation. And we'll do that for the maximum potential non-residential use and also for the, for the residential use. In this case, our institutional land use designation does not permit residential uses. So the maximum number of units can be developed under the proposed amendment is zero. Whereas under the current future land use map designation, you could have a density of up to 15 units per acre. And so there's a potential net decrease of 91 dwelling units. And as part of our future land use map analysis, we look at the objectives and policies that are in the comprehensive plan. And I won't go through each of these in detail, but as you can see, one of the objectives that we need to review as part of our analysis for a future land use map amendment, <clears throat> excuse me, is objective 1.1.3, which has to do with uh, environmental policies. To review proposed amend amendments to the future land use map based upon environmental conditions and the availability of facilities, services, school capacity, compatibility with surrounding uses and other generally accepted land use planning principles. And what you have here is that with, again, this is a comparison of the proposed, and I apologize, it's not, maybe that helps. It's provide again, a comparison of the net potential of the maximum impact under the proposed future land use map designation and under the current future land use map designation. So previously we looked at the maximum development potential under the proposed designation was 79,584 square feet. And under the current or existing plume designation, it's 145,904 square feet, along with 91, 91 uh, dwelling units under, the, under its current designation. So we'll go through the analysis of applying what that means in terms of trips, that's the transportation analysis, Potable water, how much water is expected to be used by under the maximum development potential. Uh, also with sanitary sewer, what's the capacity that's going to be required to accommodate the develop, a development under its maximum potential. And for residential uses, you must also we also provide a, an analysis of what the solid waste production is and it's uh, the demand on parks and also on public education, that is its uh, school impacts. Stormwater drainage, uh, that is usually done at the time of, uh, of site plan, when, when they get to, uh, closer to actual development on the ground. And within, within the staff report, there, there are the, here are the formulas that we use uh, for determining what those impacts are. And these formulas, but for example, I'll just uh, pick on potable water where it says residential. In order to calculate what the impact is of residential on water demand, it will be the number of units 
multiplied by 2.4, which is the number of average persons per household in the city, and 125 gallons per capita per day. And the 2.4 and the 100 persons per household and 125 gallons per capita per day are adopted within our comprehensive plan also. Uh, they were adopted originally when we first adopted the comprehensive plan and those, set, those established what numbers are to be used when doing this analysis. And the same goes with like, uh, for example, for commercial, for potable water demand for commercial, we use uh, a ratio of 17 gallons per day per 100 square feet to determine what the impact is on water demand. And we do the same thing. We use a similar or a formula also for wastewater demand, solid waste demand, and recreation and parks. May I ask a question? Yes, ma'am. How are these um, calculations determined that, that you use? Is this something that's um, statewide or national? No, ma'am. It uh, it's it's uh, particular to, a part, to each area. Like when we were, when the, the comprehensive plan was being developed in 2004, it, uh, using census data, we, you find that the average dwelling unit, average number of persons per dwelling unit is 2.4. And so we use that to determine what, where that 2.4 number came from. And the 125 gallons per capita per day was the demand that was uh, historically shown for a residential unit in in the city of Palm Coast. And so, I mean, so I would say that in, in, in a different area, they might have a different demand. Um, maybe if we, um, and I, I don't know this because the, the, like the 2.4 was based on census data. And you know, another city, let's say Jacksonville, might have a number like, like 2.6 or 2.7. That would be the number of persons per, per, per dwelling unit. It, it, you know, we rely on um, generally accepted data to determine what these numbers are. So it, it, it will differ from area to area. So, uh, the, so, the, so the 17 gallons per 100 square feet of potable water for commercial use is what, your, what this city is seeing is trending in Palm Coast for commercial, their yes. commercial buildings. Okay. Thank you. On a, we have to, just uh, not to get too straight, straight too far, every seven years we need to review our comprehensive plan and determine whether we need to make changes to it. Um, whether we need new policies or whether we need to change um, the, the numbers that we have in front of us. I mean, so every seven years we are required by state statutes to do that. And I believe that's coming up in about another year and a half. I had a question also. Yes, ma'am. At the time that this was uh, in, uh, it, was it reasonable because this was viewed as a retirement city? to have a formula that included 2.4 per household? Yes, ma'am. And, and that, that would be an average of, of a dwelling unit. Um, let's say if we had, I don't know it off the top of my head, but it probably would be that in a, in a multifamily dwelling unit, it might be at 2.1. But then for a single family home, it might be at 2.0. 
2.7. So that, that's a blended average because in the comprehensive plan, we're talking particularly, uh, generally about dwelling units and not particularly talking about whether it's single family or multifamily. But when we need to get into more particular details, then we would rely on, again, uh, the re most reasonable source of data, which in this case would be the Census Bureau to determine what that appropriate ratio would be. But in terms of the term of reviewing or analyzing a future land use map amendment, we rely on, on the policy that's been established within our comprehensive plan. And so, yeah, we'll review this again. Again, I mentioned that probably another year and a half to two years Two years, we'll, we'll be uh, we're required to review our comprehensive plan, and we'll look at these numbers again to make sure that they're still appropriate. So, moving on, in addition to its impacts on public facilities, oops, one other analysis that's done, and it's done by our environmental review team is the impact of that proposed amendment to environmental and cultural resources. And as you can see, I'll just go through the policies, to the policy and what we review. Under policy 1.13.1, the following environmental factors, I don't mean to read everybody, but I, I know it's difficult to read, but I will, so I apologize, I will read ahead, read this policy. You're breaking up so badly. Okay, so. Uh, under policy 1.13.1, at a minimum, the following environmental factors shall be evaluated each time flume amendments are proposed. Uh, we need to look at the topography and soil conditions, including the presence of hydric soils. Location and extent of floodplains and the coastal planning area, including areas subject to seasonal and periodic flooding. Location and extent of wetlands, certain vegetative communities, and protected wildlife species. Location and extent of other environmentally sensitive features, the proximity to well fields and aquifer recharge areas, and its impacts to potable water supply. So when someone proposes to do a future land use map amendment, our environmental team will look at that proposed amendment and review the conditions on, on the ground and write a report, provide an analysis of its impacts and the appropriateness of that proposed change based on the land conditions using uh, A through F as, as the factors that they review. And the other item that we review, I think I skipped over it. Land use compatibility analysis. Again, this is again a policy in our comprehensive plan. It should be a, and under this policy. A future land use map amendment is reviewed for compatibility with proximate uses and development patterns and shall be considered when evaluating that proposed future land use map amendment. And there are sub policies underneath that basically um, having to do with trying to make sure that the proposed uses are consistent with the existing surrounding area, 
and providing that, uh, you know, there, there are means to mitigate the impacts of, of, of those differences between densities or even with uses through the use of things such as buffers. And uh, on finally, also looking at the impacts of the health, safety, and welfare of the surrounding residents. So as part of our analysis, we will provide a report that tells us what <clears throat> the what the surrounding future land use map uses are to the north, south, and east of the subject parcel. We'll also look at the surrounding zoning designations in the, to, to the surrounding area, and also the existing uses, which uh, probably plays a big part in determining whether a proposed amendment is, is consistent or is appropriate for a particular parcel of land. Uh, looking at the proposed change that, we're, that we have in front of us, which is uh, the change to institutional with the eventual use of a public works uh, facility, uh, we have to look at what the surrounding areas are currently used for and determine whether that would be an appropriate use in that area and whether if there are, there are differences in the uses, whether it can be appropriately uh, mitigated. And finally, the last part of this staff report is consistency with a comprehensive plan. At this point, we basically review the entire comprehensive plan, which is composed of different elements. We have a future land use element, transportation element, housing element, recreation and parks element, coastal and conservation element. And looking at the different policies within each of those elements and finding for looking for policies which might support or not support uh, a proposed uh, amendment. In this case, uh, I'll look at what I wrote in this staff report. Again, the change from DRI mixed use to institutional. Um, in this case, we find, that we find that use to be, or the proposed amendment, to be consistent with a comprehensive plan in the following ways. Under objective 1.1.4, we have an objective that we are to promote compact and contiguous development, a mixture of land uses, and discourage urban sprawl. I think we see that the proposed expansion of a public works facility adjacent to where it is now is appropriate as a, as a comp plan amendment. Uh, under policy 1.14.5, land use patterns will be required to be efficient and not disproportionately increase the cost of providing and maintaining public facilities as well as providing housing and transportation strategies that will foster energy conservation. Again, in this case, you're looking to expand the institutional use public works facility, basically in the same area. It is already in an area that's served by water and sewer. It's in an area that's along a major corridor, US-1, which would be appropriate to serving the entire, uh, the rest of the city, since uh, in this case, <clears throat> the, the public works facility serves the entire city. And so based on all those uh, factors, staff provides a recommendation to the planning board. And again, planning board makes that recommendation to city council and city council will go through the application in two public hearings. And that's just a, a small uh, summary of of what, of how we analyze a future land use map amendment, without getting into 
deep into the weeds of it, but I'd be happy to provide, offer that if anybody would like to get more into to the weeds. <laughs> I'll be happy to, I'm, I'll entertain any questions at this time. I have a question, Jose. Since yes. that's a small scale yes, ma'am. change, what is the average length of time that sure. that would take? Um, typically two to three months. Um, we'll be at, uh, let's say we had one tonight, September. Uh, likely we'll have the first meeting, the second meeting of city council in October. And because it doesn't go to the state, we'll immediately have the second reading right after that. So by November, first reading, but I'm sorry, by the first council meeting of November, we should be done with the process. But uh, yeah, that's from the time that we have this first public hearing. But before that, an applicant might provide us with an application. We'll review the application for completeness, making sure that they provided us with all the data and analysis that we need, whether it's a transportation study, an environmental study. Uh, we need them to provide a capacity, uh, a letter from utilities saying that they are able to serve the development. If it's for a change to residential, we will require them to coordinate with the school district to determine school uh, capacity. And, and uh, so, so we need all that information and all that data ahead of time before we even schedule our, our first public hearing. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Any other questions for Jose? All right, Ray, is there anything else from the staff? No, sir. All right, I'll remind everybody we have a special meeting two weeks from tonight in the same location. And if there are no questions from the board, I'd entertain a motion to adjourn. A motion to adjourn. Bobby DeMaria, make a motion and second. All right, we have a motion and a second. Irene, would you call the roll? Ms. Shang. Yes. Mrs. Lucas. Am I getting the high sign? Um, yes. Yes. Mr. Albano? Yes. Mr. Scully? Yes. Mr. D. Maria? Yes. Mr. Lemon? Yes. Mr. Smith? Yes. We have adjournment seven to zero. All right. Thank you very much. We're